Welcome to Connections. I'm Colleen Hood. In the small town of Bruton, Alabama, which is located close to the Florida border, there's a tiny restaurant with a huge mission. Drexel and Honeybees is a donation-only restaurant started up by Lisa McMillan. There is no menu and no set prices, and despite the global pandemic, this restaurant continues to, as she says, feed the need. Today on Connections, Lisa will tell us the inspiration behind Drexel and Honeybees and why she continues to do what she does every day. We're joined today by Lisa McMillan. She's the co-owner of Drexel and Honeybee's Restaurant. Now, this restaurant is not your typical restaurant. It's a donation-only restaurant, and it's located in a small town of Bruton, Alabama. Lisa, can you tell us a little bit more about Drexel and Honeybee's? Okay, Drexel and Honeybee, uh, it's a donations-only restaurant. And what we... What we uh, are doing here actually is we have set up a, a nice restaurant uh, where people can come and not have one penny and enjoy a very good meal. And 95% of our food is cooked from scratch and they can sit in and they can fellowship with other people. And we have a donation box set up. It's, it's, it's private. You go in and nobody will know if you left anything in it or not, because a lot of people I've learned over the years, they um, might not have any money, but they have pride. And some people I have learned also over the years that pride will keep them from accepting things that they, a lot of them need. So we wanted to set it up where pride, you could keep your pride. You wouldn't have to give up one ounce of it and just come on in and enjoy a meal and sit down and talk with people and fellowship and leave. And just we wanted to make people comfortable with it. And that's what we're doing here. Can you tell us about the community Uh, of Bruton, Alabama? Bruton is a a town of about 5,000 people. Um, We are big in the uh, timber. We... um, and that's been going on for uh, over 100 years. Uh, a lot of timber comes out of Bruton, Alabama. We um, have, um, it's a community where you can feel very safe. Uh, we have some great schools here. We have a great um, leadership. And uh, it's a town where people, uh, peaceful. We get along, everybody gets along very well together. And we work together and we, when, when something comes along that, like Ivan came along in 2004, that was the last big thing that we had. But it was so amazing when something like that happens that you, um, you can tell what kind of community you're in because of, of the way people stick together and the way people help each other. And um, it's just a wonderful community. I was born and raised here in Bruton, and so is my husband. So we've been here all of our lives. We left, of course, for a few years, but we've come back. Now, speaking of your life growing up, tell us a little bit about your childhood and what really inspired you to create Drexel and Honeybees. Well, uh, of course, I was one of 12 children. My my parents had 12 children. And uh, we were poor. My father worked for the city, and my mother was pretty much a housewife. But uh, we never went hungry. Um, 
we might have wanted a little more food on the table after we ate, but we never went hungry. Our parents always had food on the table. And a lot of times, you know, you might have wanted a little bit more, but you ate something. Uh, they worked very hard, uh, you know, to uh, take care of us. And um, I remember when I was 10 years old, uh, this impacted my life a lot. When I was 10 years old and I was walking home from my grandparents' house, uh, I looked down the road and it was a big white car. I saw this dust because we lived on a dirt road. But I saw this big dust storm coming up the road and I saw a big white car in front of it. And it was uh, barreling down the road and it passed me and I waved. But then the car backed up and the, uh, the man rolled down the window and it was a white couple, an elderly white couple. And they told me to come to the window of the car. And I went over and they asked me what my name was. And I told them my name was Elise. And they said, she said, well, hold out your hand. And I held out my hand. And she put a Kennedy half dollar in my hand. And she said, you know why I'm putting that in your hand? And I said, no. She said, because you waved. She said, you're a friendly girl. And that changed my whole life. Uh, I felt so good because uh, nothing like that had ever happened. And and the way I felt, it was something that I wanted to share with other people. I wanted other people to feel that way. So I ran home and told my mother, I said, these people just gave me a Kennedy half dollar. I said, you know why they gave it to me, Mom? She says, why? She said, I said, because they said I waved at them. And my mom told me, she said, you know what? She said, all the neighbors, no matter what they say, they say, no matter how many times that Elise passed by this house, she's going to wave at you. She said, so everybody notices that about you. And that feeling that that Kennedy half dollar gave me was something that I wanted to share with people for the rest of my life. And that's what I'm trying to do. I'm trying to give everybody a Kennedy half dollar. Tell us what a typical day looks like at Drexel and Honeybees. Well, I hop out of bed around 545. <laughs> and the wonderful thing about hopping out of bed that early is I love it. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm eager to get down and start cooking on the meal. And usually I have a meal in my head uh, the day before what I'm going to do the next day. And I get dressed and I come on down and I start preparing the meal. And about um, 10.30, I cut on my open light after, after everything is prepared. I have somebody to come in about 9 to help out. If my husband's not here, most of the time he comes down with me and we get the food done together. And we do most of the cooking. I would say 90% of the cooking. And uh, we open up around 1030 and we start serving meals. And right now we're only doing to-go meals because of the uh, coronavirus. Uh, Hopefully, I'm hoping that um, the first of October, we can open the dining room back up. But we serve meals uh, for about two and a half hours. And then we... um, it's hard to kind of talk to people and meet and greet people with the way we have it set up, but we still try to, um, we have a few people that, uh, you know, you try to keep up with them because they're not, they're not, um, 
may have health problems or something. And we did notice um, after coming back from the, when we shut down that a couple of those people have kind of suffered through. Um, I'm not going to say because we were closed, but they have suffered through uh, the pandemic. They lost weight and it made us feel, you know, it made us feel better that we had figured out a way to open up so we could start serving people again. So, and once one thirty gets here, we uh, start cleaning up and we, we go home about three o'clock and then we repeat it the next day. Now, the other thing that's amazing about your restaurant, Lisa, is that not only do you do donations only, but everything that comes in, you end up giving a lot of that back to the community. It, well, we, we, we try and it. Now, our mission statement is we feed the need. When I was sent back a few years ago and uh, somebody said, you need a mission statement. And I thought, wow, what kind of statement can I, mission statement can I come up with? And we feed the need. Now, that to me says it all because we figure, my husband and I figure that we could, you could come in and get a meal, fill your belly, but suppose you don't have anywhere to sleep that night then you still got a problem. But we would help you try to solve that problem. So we feed the need covers anything that we can help with. Now, truly, we can't help with everything, but we definitely will try to help with things that we can do. We had a couple come in earlier this year, like in January, it was very cold. And they were, they were in line waiting their turn to, 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 select, to select the food. And they were just talking to another uh, customer, and they were saying that they had gone down to one of the local stores uh, to get a heater. And they said that the heater was on sale for $24.99, electric heater, and that when they got there, they had sold out because it was cold. And... And they said, and the person asked him, well, why didn't you just get another one? And he said, well, we didn't have the money for the other one. So um, when they got up to, to, to select their food, I asked them, I said, well, how much, how much was, were the other heaters? And uh, they said $49 was the next cheapest one. So I went in the back and I asked my husband, I said, do we have $50? And he said, yeah. I said, well, can I get it? <laughs> so... I was talking to another girl that was working there. She said, well, Lisa, she said, do you think you should get them the money or give it to me and I'll go get it? I said, no, no. I said, I'm going to let them go get the heater. I said, I'm going to let them go get the heater. I said, what I'm going to tell them is go get the heater and bring me the receipt back. I need the receipt. So I gave them the $50 and enough for tax. And I said, bring me, I said, can you please bring me the receipt back? And they said, yes, ma'am, we will. Well, they did. They came back with the receipt, and it was a few dollars change. I told them to keep the change. But you know what affected me so much about that story is that when they were leaving, I heard the dad tell the mom, boy, those youngers are sure going to be glad we got a heater in that house. And that affected me so much because I thought you never know the circumstances around anything when you help people, you never know who else is involved. 
And I, had, I hadn't even thought about the fact that they might have had kids. But I was really glad we had them because even though it was just an electric heater, at least I knew that night that they could plug it in and get around that and try to stay warm. So we feed the need. That's what our mission statement means. And that's what we try to do. I was watching the little video that's on your website. And in there you say, um, you talk about an experience that you had as a child and you were helping out. And then this lady was going to give you money and you said, no, no, no. Um, and then it just made you feel as though, you know, there's still angels out there. But really, I feel like you're the angel in all of this. Well, you know, the thing about it is, I, I don't, um, I know that this is something that God wants me to do. It's be a servant. And I used to wonder when people would talk about joy and happiness. Well, I do know that happiness is fleeting. So one day I just wanted, I, I, I looked it up. I said, what is the difference between happiness and joy? And it explained that joy is something that no matter what is going on in your life, because you have that joy inside of you, you know it's going to be okay. And I said, I want that. And that's what this, opening this place and dealing with people and trying to help people and serving people, it brings me joy. It keeps me at peace with everything going on. I mean, to be able to reach out and help anyone and use the resources that I have and feel so good about it, I wish it was something everybody could catch. Because once you catch it, once you feel it, it is just the best feeling in the world. What would that fellowship amongst the people be like? It's everyone from uh, business people in the community to a student in the community to someone that's less fortunate. What is that fellowship like? And, and do you find that there's a sense of community that's built uh, under normal circumstances? It is a great fellowship. Um, you come in um, one day. Um, it was on a Monday. We were closed that Monday, but I saw an elderly woman coming across the street to come in the door. So I went and ran and opened the door. And um, I, I said, Ms. Weaver is her name. And I asked her, you know, could I help her? And she said, well, I thought, she said, I forgot you closed on Mondays. I said, yes. She said, well, I could tell she had a problem. So I said, well, come on in, Ms. Weaver. I said, sit down, take a load off. Well, her husband was in the nursing home. And she was, uh, it was a few miles from where she lived and she was having to go every day to see him. And, um, she was saying that, well, I've just been eating peanut butter and jelly sandwiches, um, because I've been in the, you know, stay in the road trying to keep up with my husband and everything and check on him. So she was having problems, uh, getting, um, the money straight and all that. So I got on the phone and I called up a couple of people. And I asked them, could they come over and help her? Well, they came over and they sit at that table and they worked it out. But that's the kind of fellowship we're talking about. Uh, the kind that uh, if you call them up, they drop what they're doing kind of pretty much and they'll come over and they'll try to work the problem out. And she got a couple of her problems worked out that day. 
college students, you know, college students in this country, um, a lot of them go hungry. Well, we have a, a, peak, a few people that actually give us stuff to pass on to the college students to come in to eat. And the college students, to show their appreciation when they get to eat, uh, can we sweep the floor? Can we take the garbage out? So this type of stuff is, is, is common for people in Bruton. And we have people traveling from all over to come to this restaurant and visit it and ask questions. And when they leave, you can just see in their faces, they are leaving with, with, they're full from just being in here and talking to people. And it makes me feel so good to see people not only full from eating, but their hearts are full because they've, 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 they've made the trip here and it was everything they expected. And, and, and that's the way we, we want it to be. We want people to leave here with full stomachs and full hearts. And just the fellowship of knowing that when you serve others, it fills your heart with so much joy until you can't hide it. People can see it. And I see it. When people leave, I see it. And it makes me feel good. But Lisa, when it comes to supporting yourself financially, you're serving day in and day out at a donation-only restaurant. How do you support yourself? I'll tell you, a few years ago, well, I've been married for nine years, although me and my husband both grew up in Brooklyn. I've been married for nine years. We've been married for nine years, he and I. <laughs> um, the thing of it is, I used to, you know, I used to ask God all the time, and I've been, and I, we've had, I had, I started the food bank in 2002 called Lisa Incorporated, and I used to ask uh, God, well, God, uh, when I uh, can't do this anymore, um, I wonder who's gonna feed me. Well, I had a friend, Valerie Long. She told me, she said, Lisa, you can put your feet, feet under my table anytime. And I said, well, thank you. So really and truly, uh, she said those words, but I was thinking to myself, she just don't know. She probably would see me a lot. My retirement, because I was a nomad, I, I liked to travel around. I was a waitress. And uh, my retirement is $433 a month. That's my retirement. My husband retired from the service and he gets a nice retirement. And we always see it. He told me, he said, Lisa, I, I asked him, I said, well, suppose not enough donations come into the restaurant. He said, Lisa, he said, one thing's for sure. He said, we will devote half of our retirement to that restaurant. He said, that restaurant will never close because donations are not coming in, are not enough. He said, that's what we'll do. He said, it's going to stay open. And so you see how God answers prayers because God sent me, he, he sent me someone that would make sure I was full, make sure I didn't go hungry. But that used to be a question I asked God, how will I make it? And God sent somebody to make sure I made it. Do you ever have plans to stop, put your feet up and rest? Well, when we built this place, uh, we, we opened it up March 26, 2018. I asked God for 20 good years. And that's what I think I know he'll give me, 20 good years here. 
That's what I want. For our listeners who are sitting here going, you know what, this is something I feel called to do. What's your advice or some words for them? Well, the thing of it is, you can do it. You can do it. A lot of people come here. They travel here and they ask me, how can I do this? You can do it. We're not, we're not rich people, but it's going to take a sacrifice, of course. But if you want to do it, we found this building. What we did was we, we paid it off first. We did it in stages. And once we paid it off, then we started doing the work. It took us a year and a half to remodel this building, but we did, we did 90% of the work because we couldn't afford to pay anyone. But you can do it. Anyone can do it. It takes sacrifice and commitment. And it takes that spirit. And, and you got to have that spirit in you to know that this is what I want to do and I'm going to do it. And of course, God going to see you through it. Because he's prompting you to do it. He's the one pushing you. And he's going to see you through it. But you can do it. And that's the, mo- that's, the, that, that's the motivation I try to give everyone that's asked me that question. Believe me, a lot of people ask me that question. And it's, I tell them all, you can do it. Since the very beginning of Drexel and Honeybees, what has been the best moment? The best moment for, for me was when uh, we went to the box one day. And it was a note in the box. And it said, um, because of you, a family of four didn't go hungry today. That was such a good moment for me. And it just stands out. It was such a great moment. Because of you, a family of four did not go hungry today. That's amazing for people who... And I, and then, you know, of course, I tried to figure out who they were. They were gone. <laughs> and you can't figure that out. But to me, that was a just a great moment. For people who want to learn more about Drexel and Honeybees or want to travel out there one day once all of this COVID-19 business is done, how do they go about doing that? Well, um, they can reach us uh, by telephone and we can definitely let them know when we will reopen, hopefully in the next month or so. Uh, they, they could go online to drexelandhoneybee.com and we keep information uh, available online. You go to our Facebook page, Drexel and Honeybees, and that will probably be more, more up to date than the website. And that, that will keep people in tune as to when we will reopen for the dining room. And um, if they plan on a trip, they can plan them, they plan to come down and visit us. We'd be glad to have them come down and enjoy a hot meal and fellowship and sit around and talk around the table and just have a good time. Thanks again for joining us today on Connections. Don't forget, you can listen to the full episodes on your radio station. It airs twice, once in the morning and once in the evening. You can also find the podcast version at podcastville.ca or wherever else you find your favorite podcast. We'll talk to you again on Connections.